0: That's good to be here. How are you going? Good. Um, We're talking about an exciting subject today. Um, It's about, um, well, faith and the power of speaking. The power of speaking the word. And uh, it's gone through a passage of scripture which is, which I really love because it was a passage that was read to me the day I became a Christian, which I worked out while I was sitting there a minute ago. It was about 28 years ago. I must have been about six at the time. Um, yeah, right, that was a joke. Okay, thank you. Um, and uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 became very special to me and, and be, but it, it, it changed my life in the sense that I think up until that point if I were to sum up my whole life in one word it would be selfishness all I was on about was myself and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be and, uh, and God changed my life and, and probably at that point Uh, my life changed to be wanting to tell others about Jesus, quite simply. That's uh, to say, um, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, if I die, that's good, but while I'm alive, I'm all about Jesus. Actually, when I'm dead, I'll be all about Jesus too, in heaven, Mm -hmm. but... And I was listening to a song and I really, I really enjoyed it. It's a casting crown song uh, called Nobody But Jesus. And it says, it sums up, I think for myself, what I'm saying is God turned me from being selfish to focused on him and all about him. He said, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave, me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Now, we're talking about telling others about Jesus. That's uh, going to be our subject for a while and uh, could be a bit of a frightening one. But understanding this, we're talking about two things again, faith and speaking, the word of Jesus, the word of Christ and how God uses that. Um, But I want to talk about faith at first because the uh, main passage we're talking about today is talking about faith. I don't know if you know or think about the word faith much. Um, we often... We want people to come to faith, which means to come to know Jesus, or we talk about growing in our faith. You use those words. And I think when I was first a Christian, I was, I was actually quite confused by this word because people talked about it in such a way as if it was some sort of magical power or something like that... Um, that if I got hold of, well, I could do amazing miracles, perhaps, or something like that, if I, if I uh, had this faith. Uh, if I really, really, really believed, then God would use that really, really, really belief to do something. Okay? Um, and then we sang a song, it was a kid's song, Faith is like a muscle. Use it and it'll grow. Do you remember singing that song as a kid, anybody? Right. It'll get stronger and stronger. But strange thing about it. In real life, my faith moved around up and down. Uh, Sometimes in really hard times, I found that I had lots of faith. And sometimes in really easy times, I found I had not much at all. Or it was, it was very changeable. I felt a bit like you know, in Elijah, Elijah in in the Bible, he's there on this mountain. He's surrounded by enemies. He 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 prays to God, and fire comes down out of heaven and consumes this altar and all this stuff. And and he's on top of the world. Later that day, he was in, or well, the next day, he was in such a depression that he ran away for miles to hide from God. Isn't that? A, that's I feel like Elijah. You know what I mean? Or you get Peter, uh, you could pick lots of things with Peter, but Peter was someone who boldly preached on the day of Pentecost, and I'll talk about that in a while, boldly before the people. And he said, uh, that, he said Him and John, when they went, uh, they said, You know, do we listen to men or God? And then later on, Peter had some Jews come along and they told him the law, and all of a sudden he was back hiding, talking, uh, favouring what men said and not God. Up and down. Uh, faith is kind of, well, I'd say mine's at times all over the place. What is it? What is faith? Where does it come from? And is it actually convincing yourself? Because I remember one time I, we, we were asked to pray for somebody who had a very bad form of cancer. And, and, and I was thinking, I was leading the prayer session. And I was thinking, not going to happen. <laughs> well, I'm praying, that's what I'm thinking. That's good. And I've been talking to someone beforehand, thinking not going to be happen. I'm thinking, if I've got to get in my head that this is going to happen and I've got to lift my belief to this standard to make it work, poor fella, he's not going to be healed. And, and, and I found that I was surrounded by other people who had the same feeling. And yet, God did a miracle. How does that work? Is faith based in me, is my question, firstly. um, Actually, the answer is no. Faith actually comes from God. In fact, we're told that faith is even even a gift from God. And that sort of understanding of getting to self-belief, that's more Buddhist. That's not actually a Christian belief. Because, you see, faith... I was reading a book... I, I, actually, for years as a Christian, confused about what this word meant. And I was reading a book and someone said, you know, faith is quite simply trusting God. It's relying on Him. That's, and, and it took all of the superstition out of it to go, I just trust God. And how much trust? Well, sometimes he talks about a mustard seed, a little bit of faith. Uh, because, you see... To trust, I can't trust in nothing. You know what I'm saying? You can't trust in, I trust that this will happen. You got to, trust always has an object, doesn't it? I trust somebody and I'm trusting God who is trustworthy. That's what faith means. I believe in a God who's believable. I have faith in a God who's Faithful. That's why miracles can happen when we're at the bottom of the faith journey. Because God is the one who can be relied upon. And we grow in that. Actually in life, even though we have ups and downs, we do grow in our trust in God, don't we? Yep. Now... Uh, Romans 12.3 says this, uh, For by the faith given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. You know, don't big note yourself. Don't be full of yourself. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. God's given you faith. Act in accordance with the measure of that faith. Um, that's, and Paul's saying, this, this, this humbles me because the grace has been given to me. Everything I have comes from God. So I have a humility because I know that even my faith is received from him. Now, in a minute, we're going to talk about how faith comes. But I've just got a little bit more to talk about, and that's 1 Timothy 1.13. Paul's talking again. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, so I was once a horrible bloke. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith, sorry, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. In other words, when I was rejecting God, faith was poured out on me, love was poured out on me, mercy was poured out on me. It all came from him. All right. How does it come? That's going to be our question today. Now, what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to go back to front with a Bible reading. We're looking at Romans, 8, Romans 10, verse 8 to 17. But I'm going to start with verse 17, the last verse. Because what he's doing, you see, I'm saving you to have to listen right through my sermon and remember everything. If you get the main point at the start, you can go off and sleep, and that'll be fine. Right? Because in this year, Paul goes... Argument, 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 verse, 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 verse. So, and he uses this word, and the Greek word there means, so consequently, you see, so here is my sum up statement. And this is in verse 17, he says, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Or, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But quite simply, if I was at youth group now, and I had this verse, I would get you to repeat it after me. So let's give it a go, right? First sentence is, so faith comes from hearing. So uh, just ignore that. That's a little bit different version, right? So faith, I'm doing the shorter version, less words. Good on you. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Let's do it all. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Where does faith come from? Hearing. Right. That's why I need to remember it. It comes from hearing what? The word of Christ. Aha. Uh-huh. How are you going to grow in faith? Hearing the, word of hearing the word of Christ. Right. How are you going to come to faith? Hearing the word of Christ. It's complex, isn't it? No. No, it's not actually. It's... Can you see the strength of this? Faith comes from hearing and hearing for the word of Christ. Now this says a lot about the importance of faith and how a person can grow in that and then our place as Christians because if faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ shouldn't we be speaking the word of Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah? To who? Each other? Mm-hmm. Non-Christians? Ourselves? Everybody. Everybody. All the time. Faith comes to a person when they hear the word of Christ. A person grows in faith when they hear the word of Christ. So the message of Jesus is right at the centre. That's why if you can remember that Bible verse, it gives us... I actually love the simplicity of it. It's just basic. Okay. Go back to verse 8 though. Now we're going to read through his argument which builds up to this. This is not the boring bit by the way. I'll try not to make it boring. But in verse 8, Paul says this. This is from last week, by the way, so you're going to need to listen to last week's sermon, but i have just, uh, verse 8 is. He said, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, it is in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. I'm proclaiming something about faith to you. And what he'd been saying in the previous verses is that faith That makes you righteous comes from God. In other words, when you believe or you have faith in Jesus, God declares you righteous. Absolutely perfect before him. Nothing between you and God. Got to know that, right? How do you become perfect? By being really, really good? No. You become perfect by trusting in Jesus, by believing in him, by having faith in him. And then he declares, he says it. Now, if I said to Joseph, you are righteous, my word is not, not that valuable, actually. I might think he's a nice guy. Doesn't mean a lot, right? If God says it, what do you reckon? He's righteous? Right. God's opinion counts. God declares us as righteous when we trust in Jesus goes on in verse 9 to say that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved. That's telling you how to be saved, isn't it? How to be, how to be a Christian. In fact, Jesus is Lord It's kind of a catch cry for Christianity in a lot of ways, isn't it? And we're told in Philippians 2.11 that in the final days, every mouth will say, Jesus is Lord. Everyone's going to say it. Even those people who hate it will say it because it's true. What does Lord mean? Well, you could say boss, ruler, king one who's in control, Lord, yeah? Jesus is Lord. You could say, uh, some people say you've got to accept that Jesus is my Lord, and that's absolutely true, but it's also accepting that he's just plain Lord of everything. He is Lord. Interesting in in Acts, Acts, on, on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up before a group of people, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's just beginning... People say it's the birthday of the church. It's the beginning of when the church began. And here's Peter, and he stands up before the people, and he starts to speak and explain what's going on, and he's trying to really explain at first what's happening with this event, and the people are speaking strange languages, and there's tongues and fire and wind and different things going on. It's, it's... But then you hear him speak, and what does... A spirit-filled Christian talk-like. Well, actually, he begins by explaining the coming of the Spirit from the book of Joel. And then he talks about the crucifixion of Jesus. And then he talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And then he talks about the ascension of Jesus. Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And then he finishes with this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus is Lord and Christ. What was the reaction of the people? It said, the people who heard this were cut to the heart. They were, they were brought low. By what? Jesus is Lord. You better know it. That's what he's That's what it's saying. Jesus is... That the word confess, Jesus is Lord. Confess means to acknowledge. It almost means to bow the knee. In, in, it means to honestly own up to the fact that you're not Lord, you're not the centre of the universe, Jesus is. Acknowledge it. He is the king of all. Now, if you rebel against the king for long enough of a country, you're going to find yourself in jail. If you're a smart person, you acknowledge that he's the king, Right? Now, because why if you don't well that's treason Jesus is the Lord of all so to acknowledge him as Lord of all is, is the most sensible thing in the world to do otherwise you're guilty of that treason confess acknowledge Jesus is Lord because he is Lord that's first part the second part says believe in your heart in the centre of your being believe what that God raised him from the dead. He died. Why did he die? Defeating our sin. But that wasn't the end of the story. If he died defeating our sin and he stayed dead, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.15, if he stayed dead, we're dead in our sin, our faith is useless, and you might as well all go out, eat, drink, and have a party, because life's pointless. But that wasn't the end of the story. Jesus was raised from the dead, and because he was raised from the dead then that means that he's still alive today and that resurrection is over all of us. So basically what I'm saying is this. Without belief in the resurrection, you believe nothing about Christianity. But when you believe that Jesus died, rose from the dead, defeated our sin, he stands alive, he's at the right hand of the Father now, if you believe that, you will be saved. Along with the confession that Jesus is Lord, the acknowledgement of that. That's what he's saying. So, we believe in our heart or have faith. Now, when I keep saying believe, faith, trust, that's all the same word in Greek that the New Testament was translated from. Believe, faith, trust. Sometimes they might say trust sounds better here. Sometimes belief, sometimes faith. doesn't matter. It's the same word. If you believe in your heart, if you have faith in your heart, if you trust in your heart that... God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How can we do that? Because, to be honest, if you were to walk down the street and start talking to a person who's never heard about Jesus and say, I've got a message for you that will save you eternally. You've just got to trust that somebody you've never heard of before, 2,000 years ago, died for your sins and was raised from the dead. Is that a crazy message? Just got to believe they were raised from the dead and you'll be saved. What? How is it possible for them to then say Jesus is Lord? Slightly impossible you'd think except for 1 Corinthians 12:3 says this, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit does something that causes the person to be able to say Jesus is Lord, to be able to, not just to say it, to actually believe it and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. I mean, it's just a, it's an absolute miracle that anybody could be converted. It's a miracle. How can we have a church gathering and there's churches all over the world of people gathering together to proclaim this about Jesus? But why does the church go on? Because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's at work driving the church and what does the Holy Spirit bring to the church? The message about Jesus, which brings faith, which causes people to come to faith, which causes people to grow in faith, which causes people to be saved. Can you hear that? It's it's actually, the the Holy Spirit does an incredible work. So we'll go on. For it is with your heart that you believe, this is verse 10, and are justified, that is declared righteous by the blood of Jesus, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So God has to bring this change, this renewal, this being made pure, this declaring of righteous, and he does that. And then it says in verse 11, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Or anyone who has faith in him will never be put to shame. Or anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Can you see that? Anyone who trusts in him, doesn't matter who you are, will be saved. And he goes on to make uh, it's, uh, about, it's not, not there's any race, there's no favouritism. God's not even English. Do you know the English Empire, they, they knew God was British. The Americans know that God is American. We think he might have something to do with Australia. But uh, he's saving people from all over the world, right? For there is no difference. Between Jew and Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody. From every, and, and we're told that in heaven, at the gathering of the new heavens and new earth, there'll be people there from every tribe and tongue and nation, and they'll all be there, worshipping one God with one confession. Jesus is Lord, all knowing in their hearts that that's true and that God raised him from the dead to bring our salvation. Okay, so how does a person get to the place where they call on the name of the Lord? This is the practical bit for us who are people who use our mouths to speak to other people, okay? How then, this is verse 14, can they call on someone they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, he's actually talking backwards here. I don't know if you realise that. He's starting at the top and working backwards. He's starting with, here's a person and going back to the preacher, the person who speaks to them. But I'll, I'll, I'll put it the other way in a sec. But he starts with the good news. Uh, sorry, finishes with the good news, which is starting. We start with the message of the good news about Jesus, about his death and resurrection, about his lordship. And the people are sent. How can they preach unless they're sent? They are sent to proclaim that message. And from that proclamation, as people hear right and because people hear then they believe and because that's just they have faith and because they have faith they call on the name of the Lord and because they call on the name of the Lord they're saved that's just working backwards through the passage so that tells us something absolutely incredible about ourselves and our place in this world we have the ability to open our mouths and speak of Jesus because we know the gospel of Jesus Christ and because we know this, we can actually speak about Jesus and do you know what's going to be incredible? People are going to hear, but even more incredible than that, they are going to believe it. How can they believe it? Because the Holy Spirit's there. So we've got to know, when you, if, you, if you don't know that God's at work through you, when you go to speak to somebody you'll have all sorts of doubts and you'll pull back. But if you know that the Holy Spirit's there and will take your words about Jesus and actually kind of like, here we go, Robin, I, I take my words and I shove them into your heart, well, I can't do that. I can't convince anybody, but the Holy Spirit can. and He takes my words, takes them into people's hearts. And they believe it because the Holy Spirit brings faith. And then they're saved. I tell you, if you don't know that, you'll never bother speaking. Or you'll never have any conviction when you do. But when you know that the Holy Spirit's at work in what you're doing, you will actually proclaim. Now, to proclaim is using this uh, word. Um, He said that bit at the end, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's kind of saying that people who preach the gospel have really nice feet. (laughs) You should, are you looking at my feet? (laughs) And my feet aren't that pretty. Okay, no, what he's saying is this. He's actually quoting a passage from Isaiah 52, verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7. He says this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news and proclaim peace and bring good tidings, good news, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion or to God's people, Your God reigns, or Jesus is Lord. So, how beautiful it is for people to bring the good news of peace, of salvation and that Jesus is Lord, or that our God reigns. Those people are called heralds. That's where the Greek word comes from here. And a herald, you you might have seen uh, a movie where a bloke would go down the street in, say, medieval England or something like that, and he'd blow his trumpet, and everybody had to come and gather, and he unrolled his scroll, and he had a message from the king. And he started to read out, the king says, you know, our chocolate ration has been increased. Good king. King says taxes have increased too. Oh. Right. Now you could beat up the messenger, couldn't you? But really, all he was doing was speaking the word the king had written down. It wasn't his words, was it? No point beating him up. He's, he, you understand? He speaks for the king. When we speak the message of jesus we speak with all the authority of the lord of all and we speak his message and then he comes and backs it up now if you speak the message of the king and says that your chocolate ration's been increased then he would go home and guess what truckloads of chocolate come in and everyone gets some right that's good why because not because the messenger had anything to do with the chocolate all he did was read out the words right He knew that the king had said this was going to happen, so the trucks are waiting. Yep. When we speak the word, the Holy Spirit is there at work through us, bringing the authority and the truth of the message, which will actually change people. So we can be heralds or proclaimers of God's truth and know that he will bring his power by the Holy Spirit through us. That should make you happy because that will give us the boldness and the confidence to speak. And even if we don't feel like speaking some days, if we like that Herald and we've been speaking all day and we're tired and we've got a headache and we've got sore feet, we know that it's not about us. It's about the authority that's contained in the words that we have as we speak them that come from God himself. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news, verse 16 says. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? That's actually good to know too. Uh, so, uh, somebody from St. George the other day came, came really alive in his faith and he started telling everybody. And, then I, and I preached on this passage in Isaiah which said, you know, some people won't believe. He's, he was so encouraged by that. He said, you know, you're telling the truth. Some people don't want to hear what you've got to say. They're not interested. Others, well, they love it. It's good for us to know that. Uh, if you expect 100%, well, you might be disappointed. But expect the Holy Spirit's at work. And so, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Or, as we said it before, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is produced by us speaking about Jesus. It happens. Faith is produced. Can you hear that? Faith is produced as we speak about Jesus. It's not the word of God. It doesn't say the word of God, does it? Where are we? It says the word about Christ. Because the word of God can be, you shouldn't do this, you should do that. This is, how, this is the moral teaching of Scripture. Will that save somebody? Another word about Christ will save them. Okay? It, it, if you try and argue for the existence of God, there must be a God because blah, 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 blah. That won't save anybody. What will save people is the word of Christ because that is the word that God has chosen to bring his truth to people's hearts, and he'll do it. I want to finish with a passage. Uh, from Colossians 1. It's just a great passage. Uh, And you could say it's got nothing to do with the message today. (laughs) It has because it speaks about Jesus. I just want you to try and hear this, and then Paul speaks about his passion, uh, his heart, his mission after it. But just listen to this. This is Jesus. This is Colossians 1 verse 15. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would renew in us knowledge of your son Jesus, the word of Christ, of what he's done, of this reconciliation he's brought to us, of his lordship, of his resurrection. Father, I pray that we would be people who cry out, you are everything, nothing but Jesus, nobody but Jesus, not us or anybody else. Father, that our whole world would be about him. And Father, that by your spirit, you would cause us to become bold proclaimers of your truth that we might speak the name of Jesus but not only that Father that as we speak that faith would come through that hearing that faith would come and that people would call on your name and be saved I pray that you would make us yeah just bold honest even excited about the name of Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.